Hi, this is Vinny Apice, and you're listening to Focus on Metal. Hey, Metalhead, Scott Thompson here, back for yet another week of Focus on Metal. And can you believe it? We are in June already. Hope that everyone out there enjoyed the last few weeks of our classic throwback episodes as we talked to a, a lot of artists over the month of May. But as we roll into summer, it's back on to more of our uh, our normal subject matter. And we're kicking that off right this week as we welcome back on to the show, Vinny Apisay. And I don't know how many times we've had Vin on the show now. It's got to be three or four times, but he's back on once again, talking about all kinds of things, most notably last in line. But, uh, you know, when Richie gets somebody on the phone, he likes to dig into some other things as well. So obviously going to be a little bit of Dio talk on there, even a little bit of stuff on uh, on Carmine and uh, just other things that Vinny is up to. So a great talk with uh, Vinny Apice this week brought to us by Richie who was hoping to make it down to the studio for this episode. But uh, as usual, life intrudes, and we have both been uh, going crazy with our schedule. It's actually amazing that we get shows out week after week. So no in-studio discussion to be had this week. Just going to have the interview with Vinny and a lot of tunage. And we're going to start that tunage off with, yep, you guessed it, Track of the Week. All right, been a while since we did a track of the week here on Focus on Metal, but we are back doing it once again this week. And usually a lot of the stuff we do for track of the week is stuff that, you know, any of the labels that we're working with submit us with a whole bunch of stuff. And Richie and I are listening through it. And through that, you know, we get stuff that pretty much rises to the top of things we like. And we throw those out to you guys as track of the week. But every so often, we actually get somebody from a band who submits something to us and says, hey, would you mind playing this for us? And uh, this week... We are back doing that once again. The name of the band is called Void Vader, and uh, their guitarist Eric actually hit us up and uh, sent us all the links for their uh, their press kit and everything else, and listened to the stuff. And I got to say, I was really digging it. And part of it that really hit me right away was just as an engineer. Hearing the way they did the guitars, they just did a really superb job on how these guitars cut through the mix. Really good stuff. But uh, Void Vader, they've been around since uh, about 2014 out of L.A. Basically, a couple of uh, couple of friends coming together, put a few more characters in the mix, and bam, they had a band. And uh, they've been uh, they've been doing stuff like I said since about 2014. But uh, just recently, they uh, they went back in the studio. They did a six song uh, six song EP entitled "Stranded." It's actually produced by Bill Matoya. Of course, everybody knows Bill from uh, all the great stuff he did with Slayer. You want to know more about Bill? You could definitely go on to uh, take a take a, uh, a viewing of Bob Nell Bandian's uh, third part of his uh, L.A. Metal series as he talks about thrash. And lots of good stuff. You'll really learn all about what Bill did, how he brought the uh, brought the level of the engineering of that scene up. But anyways, back to Void Vader. So they, like I said, have got a six-song EP. It's called Stranded. And you can snag your own copy up at voidvader.com as well as voidvader.bigcartel.com if you're interested in, uh, in getting yourself a copy of this. And hopefully some of you guys out there as well were able to catch them on their Skeleton Crew tour that they just finished up in April. And since I know that the pollen now is uh, kicking the crap out of my voice, just want to let you know that uh, Void Vader is spelled V-O-I-D-V-A-T-O-R. So lots of good stuff on this. You know, six songs, and every one of them was actually a winner. Had a hard time deciding what I was going to do, but ultimately... The one that I thought had this really cool groove, had some nice changes, seemed to reflect a lot of what the band was about, is actually the last song on the EP, and it's called Come to Hand. So, off of Stranded by Void Vader, track of the week this week, Come to Hand.
track of the week from void vader off of stranded and hey thanks eric for uh, sending that in to us and i'm sorry it took so long to finally get this thing on the air and i know you've been waiting patiently all through may but here we are we're out of the classic throwback episodes and there you go bud right on the air for you great tracks i urge all you guys to go up to voidvator.com and check them out you can also go to uh want to follow them on twitter at twitter.com slash voidvader they're also on instagram as uh slash voidvader facebook.com slash voidvader and also they're up there got their own youtube channel at slash voidvader so there you go support the band check them out you will not be disappointed and with that it is Vinny Epse time very happy to be once again welcoming Vinny to the show. You know, it's that whole East Coast rock, but also Vinny's always been a great guest. Uh, maybe the first time he was on, I'm a little bit shaky, but uh, since then we've had him on a couple more times and uh, always a great chat with Vinny. And as I said at the beginning of the show, Richie is uh, really hitting his stride with going back and uh, picking these guys' brains whenever he gets a chance to talk to them. And he does that once again this week with Vinny. So with that, what do you say that uh, I play a little bit off of the new Last in Line? That's uh, Last in Line 2. And we'll go from there right into Richie's chat with Vinny Apisay. Only a fool would take his own life. Let it be ruled by sickness and strife. A life electric, never so bright. Come break the mold or kill. This is Vinny. Is this Richie? It is Vinny. How you doing? Good. How are you, man? I'm good. good. I've actually interviewed you before, but never for last in line. I've had everyone else in the band on except you. So oh, okay. Um, and the last time I interviewed you, you were just out on the road with uh, with Kill Devil Hill for the second record. And um, ah, uh, I I think you were somewhere on the west coast. You were doing a run of shows just as the album came out. Right. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. So, are you aware that uh, Dewey and Mark are amp- amping up the band again? Uh, no, not really. But uh, uh, who's in the band? <laughs> is Rex in the band? No, Rex is gone as well. Eh. Well, good luck on that. Yeah, I think it's going to. I think it was it was you and Rex were really the the, the big name guys when when that band well, yeah, started. That, yeah, that's what it was. It was uh, a band that we. Rex and I uh, 
actually Mark and I started and we had Jimmy Bain playing bass at one point and then uh, it didn't work out and uh, I knew Rex so I called Rex you know mm-hmm. and and approached him and he was into it so that's how we started the whole thing you know with Rex hmm. I'm, just, I'm a little bit surprised they're actually going out again personally well it's got a little bit of a name you know from what we did but People will be surprised that there's nobody, you know, there's no, that me and Rex are not in it, you know. Mm. I think Dewey is doing music with uh, with Bill Ward as well, I believe. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, Bill's been doing an album for quite a while. <laughs> I, hope he, I hope he finishes it, we're looking forward to it, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, so Vinny... Nearly all your shows now are fly-in shows on weekends. Do you prefer doing that now to getting on a bus like you used to? Um, I like doing both. We're actually doing, we do bus tours in Europe, and we're going back to Europe in November, and we'll be doing a bus thing. And then here we have a bunch of dates with UFO in October, Hmm. and that's probably going to be a bus thing as well. Okay. So, uh, the only thing good about the flyouts is you get to go home quicker. You know, you get home, you get, you know, you play four, three, four days, then you go home and then you do next weekend or two weekends. So that's cool. But, uh, it's, it's cool to go, just go out and, uh, be the road warrior again. You know, I yeah. like that. Yeah. When it comes to music now, Vinny, when, when you're doing the fly in shows, uh, do you play during the rest of the week? Do you do session work or do you just, shut it all off until the weekend no i do uh i get a lot of session stuff because i got a studio in my house and uh, right now i'm working on uh the second resurrection kings album with craig goldie and uh and uh everybody involved so i'm doing some drums actually today and uh and so i got a drums in the house so before if i haven't played in a while i'll sit down and play warm up before we go out yeah Mm, otherwise it's otherwise it's a bit shocking you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, i'm a big fan of that resurrection kings record um i i think i'd sha- ah. i think i'd shone on for uh the first one I, i'll tell you a little funny story uh he hadn't heard the record when we interviewed him so he was asking us what it was like <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's usual yeah because yeah. i think when yeah, k- k- you're doing all your parts separately now. You know what I mean? It's not like you're all in the studio so you can get to hear right. it all. Right. Yeah. Last in line, we record together, but all this other stuff is done uh, via the internet. I just played on Joel Holster's album and, uh, you know, I played to a guitar and scratch bass, actually scratch guitar and scratch bass. And I never got to hear anything since. So I'm sure it's almost done now, and uh, that's just the way it goes, you know. Hmm. Everybody, everybody usually sends it when it's done completely. Yeah, it's the album. Is that an easy you know? thing? Is that an easy thing for you to get used to as a drummer? Uh, no, I'm very used to it now because since I have my own studio, I love doing it because in my house I'm able to uh, I'm able to really get into the song and try different things as I'm running the, the, the computer. Mm. I got a wireless keyboard right next to the drums, right next to the hi-hat and I'll punch in that way and <clears throat> do it, you know, do another take. I easily can control the whole thing and get the drums to sound like what I hear, you know, eventually with the part was just not right. And eventually I keep trying different things. And so, it fits, and then, and then that's the one, you know. Mm. So I get very, very detailed into what I do on these on these records, and it and it can sometimes it locks in so well. It sounds like we played in the same room, and then not even uh, and those are scratch in- instruments, you know. Yeah. So, so what what yeah. what are you looking for now, Vinny, in a producer? Because from what you're saying there, you don't really need one. Uh. No, you don't, you know, we don't, <clears throat> uh, I'm just concentrating on the drums on these things. <clears throat> we did an album with, uh, I did an album with my brother like two years ago, uh-huh. called, uh, Sinister. And that one, 
was uh, pretty much done all over the place. You know, Carmine came here, we recorded his drums, and then I put my drums on it. We kind of produced it ourselves, and, and it came out great, you know? So uh, this stuff here, like Joel Hosfer, it's up to him what he wants to do with it, if he wants to produce it or listen to it or produce it. But I think he's producing it himself, you know? Mm. And I just lay down my drums. Most of the time, nobody... Uh, you know, the parts I give them, the drum tracks are fine. They don't, or they'll make a slight suggestion here and there. But, uh, so, you know, then it's up to them to, if they want to be produced by somebody. You know? mm. Now, what, what about Jeff Pilson when you're in the studio with him producing you? Um, <coughs> does he, does he have a lot of like, like, would he say, can you try this? Can you do that? Or is he more or less okay with what you give him? Um, more on the side of what we give them because we rehearsed with Last in Line. We're like a, you know, it's a real band. So we go in and write together. Mm-hmm. And we, <clears throat> we, we recorded at the rehearsal studios uh, just to see what we're doing. And then we work on it and we kind of self-produce it there. And then with Jeff, he'll change a couple of things here and there. And uh, uh, when songs are not finished, you know, we'll sit down in a room together with Jeff and he'll suggest maybe a different chord or things like that, you know. So not a lot of messing with it, but he gets great sounds. And uh, this last record, the new one, uh, called Two, he, we, we co-produced with Jeff hmm. because of that, you know. So yeah. Jeff is great. He's got a great ear and he's got great sounds and, uh, you know, he's a great friend too. Hmm. Now, when I, when I interviewed Andrew, uh, at the end of last year, he said that uh, he did nearly all his vocals on in, on his own in his own studio. Um, did that take a lot of convincing for you guys to go that route with him, or were you okay with it? Uh, no, you know, uh, on the first album, Jeff helped. He did the vocals uh, with Andy. And this time, it was a more of uh, Andy felt more comfortable doing it himself. Hmm. And, and, and that, and plus the schedules <clears throat> were, uh, kind of off, you know, like Jeff was busy. He does a lot of other projects, so he was busy. Andy lives in Vegas, Jeff lives in California. So it became kind of, you know, an issue with the scheduling too. So, uh, and then Andy felt more comfortable doing, working in his own house, doing it himself. And he did, and it came out great, and it sounds great, and you, uh, you know, you got a great sound, you know, you got some good mics, and uh, it all worked out. Mm. So, now, uh, I want to talk a little bit about Phil. Um, the conversations when Jimmy passed, uh, was there any hesitation from any of you guys to continue as a band, or were you all in it together, saying, "Yeah, we're going to keep going"? Well, after that happened, we were kind of shocked, and then we had some dates booked like a month later and we canceled those and we just, you know, took a little bit of time off and Viv and I talked and then uh, we decided, you know, Jimmy would want us to continue. So we decided let's, let's keep it going. And, you know, the album came out and started doing well and people were loving the band. And uh, so then we just got a bunch of bass players we knew to come down Uh and, uh, audition with us and then Phil came down and Phil just fit right in you know we know him for years and he's from the same time frame rock time frame you know play with Ozzy play with Billy Idol and I play with Phil on many other projects so it just was a natural for Phil to come in you know mm. I was, I was, and it worked out great a great fantastic with Phil yeah Vinny I was going to ask yeah. you were there any other names on the list other than Phil and you kind of answered the question already for me yeah, there were a couple of guys, but not really that known. There was a uh, um, bass player from a band called Lit. Kevin, I think his name is. Yeah, Kevin. And he came down. He was great. Great singer, too. And then uh, it just felt right with Phil, you know. The vibe felt more mm. uh, like that's what we need. Mm. But he was great, too. There was a lot of really good bass players. Yeah. What happened to your uh, your keyboard player, Eric? Well, Eric, uh, there, there's just some problems with uh, musical problems on stage, you know, with sometimes what happens with the keyboard player, 
a lot of the keyboard players with these kind of bands is we don't use a lot of keyboards like that are featured in the songs and you know even the old Dio classics that are just last in line rainbow in the dark and then we usually just use keyboards to play chords under viv solos or even iomi solos the keyboards are there so the problem is you can't just stand there on stage doing nothing on some of the parts so a lot of keyboard players tend to play and double the riffs and do all that kind of thing and sometimes it got a little cluttery and got in the way and so there was a little problem with that that turned into a big problem and eventually uh he left (laughs) he left in the middle of we were doing like four shows and he left uh the morning of we were in vegas actually and then he he just we're waiting there at six in the morning waiting to go to the airport and there's no eric and uh the the road crew said oh he left he packed his truck. He he, he he's gone. Wow. So we had to go do we had to go do the rest of the gigs uh, without him. You know, so yeah, it was a little bit shocking. You know, Eric's a great guy, a great player, and uh, almost overqualified to play with us because you know when we, there's a lot of sounds he had to play in some of the beginnings of the songs, and not so much real playing. So. Uh, you know, that that probably was an issue too. You know, mm. not a keyboard band, so mm. so you... unfortunately it didn't didn't work out. And he left, and then uh, we continued four piece, and then we got used to it, and now we're just four piece. Nice, nice. So yeah, you've known Vivian a long time, um, and I I haven't interviewed Vivian since he had his, his cancer scare. Um, mm-hmm. Now now since then he's released two albums with you guys and one with river dogs um do you think the cancer scare kind of made him look at himself and said shit i i have to get as much music out now as i can you know he looked at it like you know he he could have died and now he's you know do you know what i'm trying to say Vinny? he's all of a sudden he's released all a load of new music did you see that in him no no, I think because uh, we started this before he knew that there was any problem, medical problem. And then uh, we were just starting up and that's when he uh, got the news. So we already started this, hmm. you know, I think this started as a fun thing. You know, we started jamming together as if Jimmy and I. And we had such a good time and then we did it again and Andy came down and then it turned into Hey, this is fun. Why don't we do some gigs? So that's the way this started. It was a very natural thing, uh, the way it started. We didn't get together and and just try to, you know, do it to make money or Viv knowing, you know, he had some problems. So um so this was started before then and then the River Dogs thing was just something the record company wanted to do. They wanted to uh you know, do something with the River Dogs. Also, while this was happening, you know, mm-hmm. so that wasn't anything that Viv uh, initiated. So when he got the offer, he, he thought it would be, you know, cool to do do the record. But there was nothing really to follow. I think they did a couple of gigs and uh, nothing more than that so far. Hmm. He just seems to be a lot more prolific the last couple of years writing material than he used to be because all he had was Def Leppard. Well, yeah. Um, yeah, well, this was kind of a natural, you know. This was like the timing was right with, you know, the the void left by Ronnie's passing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this was kind of like, like I said, it wasn't planned. It was like a jam. And then we decided, you know, we did it a couple times. We go, let's do a gig. And we did a gig, and the people went crazy, you know. They loved hearing the old stuff, and there was no new stuff at that time. So uh, it was just a natural thing that, all right, why don't we go do some more gigs? Why don't we do more? Then we got a record deal. So it just built up into something that all took place naturally, you know, and writing together. We have a, a great time writing and Phil fit right in now. So the writings is, uh, together is a lot of fun and very creative. So I think, you know, Viv got a, you know, found, uh, his outlet for, 
doing something else, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, being that we all know each other so well, and Fizz and I played together so many times, we still lock in like, you know, ridiculous mm. the way we play together. So it's just really a, a cool thing, you know? Yeah. Now, now, Vinny, when the album came out, you had to deal with all the Pledge Music uh, fiasco. Uh, how did you find out about that, that the company was in financial trouble? Well, we started Phil. Phil really is on the on the pulse of a lot of stuff going on. And he started mentioning it. And we were like, oh, really? Okay. And then we kept getting reaffirmed that it was okay. That, you know, it seemed to be the smaller bands that were getting hit uh, with non-payment. And, uh, and then as time went on, then we, you know, got the news that, okay, there's big trouble and uh, nobody seems to be getting paid. So that's what happened. So we didn't, and, and unfortunately we bought all the merch that was being sold. We shipped it to where they had to fulfill it. And the fans pledged their money and everybody got screwed, including us. Because we didn't get anything. We didn't get a dime from these guys. And it cost us a bit of money for all the merch and all, all, all the ship, shipping. We did some shipping, too. We shipped some stuff to Japan, you know. So we got burnt on it. And then we didn't want the fans to really have to deal with it. So um, we researched it. And Phil researched how to get your credit card company to dispute the charge because you didn't get any of the products and then how to go on pledge and get a refund. Hmm. So we posted that on our website and people followed it. And a lot of people did get a refund and a lot of people didn't get a refund. So, uh, but they felt they knew what was going on. They knew it wasn't our fault, you know? So we decided, well, let's, uh, send out whoever bought like a CD from pledge and didn't get it. It doesn't matter if they got it or not. We sent everybody a signed CD booklet, uh, to go with the CD if they got it. And if, if they bought the CD, they can obviously have that one put in and it's a signed copy mm-hmm. of the uh, booklet, not the whole CD. So we did about, I don't know how many of those were about 500. Okay. So that was on that was on our dime to try to you know to show everybody we really uh, are concerned about what happened and um, and our fans because they're great fans you know. Mm. So we tried to to help everybody and anybody that wrote in that was on the pledge list we took care of them that way you know. Mm. I I always thought, just, the the concept of bad situation you know a lot of bands got screwed. Yeah, like yeah. The concept of pledge I thought was great because for a lot of the a lot, a lot of the bands that came up in the eighties, uh, their fans are a lot older now. They might have dis- a little bit more disposable income because you know the kids are a little bit older, and right. y- you could get a little bit extra. You want the sign stuff, you want you know the the drum stuff, you want the guitar stuff, and for the, for that company to go belly up, it just affected everybody. I remember seeing a video. I think it was. I think it was D- Danny Vaughan posted, and uh, he was he was he got seventeen or eighteen grand pledged by the fans to make an album, and he, I think at the time he only got six, and he had to pay mm-hmm. for the, he has to pay out of his own pocket now to do to finish right. the re- to finish the record. Like everyone got screwed. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I did a pledge campaign with my brother in two thousand sixteen, and we raised a good amount of money. And, uh, um, we got paid. Matter of fact, they paid us in December. They sent us the balance of, uh, no, they sent us what they give you half, you know, to Mm -hmm. to do the record. So we got half, but we didn't want it at the end of December because it's like, why pay tax on it? We do it in January. Yeah. For the next year. And I sent the money back to them. And then in January, they sent it back. So. You know, and there was no problem. So we thought, great, this is a cool thing. And then, uh, so then we were doing this and this was quite successful. You know, it was, we raised a lot of money and we didn't get a dime, <clears throat> just a dime, you know, 
And wow. Uh, Alice was more of a, like Carmine and I, we were, we were raising the money to make the record. Last in line, we already made the record because we had a record deal, but we were doing a pre-launch campaign for publicity and special products for, for, uh, you know, people that were the collectors and things like that. So, so our situation was different, but it cost us a bunch of money and we didn't get anything. Mm. And the fans got the, the, you know, fans got, you know, either a refund or if they were lucky and if not, uh, they didn't get their money back. So mm. yeah, that's pretty, pretty bad to what they did. Yeah. Pretty, pretty awful. Yeah. So Vinny, were you always someone who was pretty savvy about the business end of music or was that something you did, you, you learned a lot more later on in your career? Well, my brother was always very business-like uh, <clears throat> with, you know, contracts and and uh, advances and things like that. So um, with Dio and Sabbath, I never really had to deal with that except my own contract between me and them. And that was something that was a little bit more simple, you know. Hmm. And... But before that, I had my own band called Axis, and we had different deals. And and then later on, after Sabbath, yeah, you start to learn, uh, you know, what's what to keep an eye out for things. Yeah, so I'm totally on it now. You know, even Kill Devil Hill. You know, there were things that I I didn't know that happened. That uh, you know, merch deals. You get a merch deal. And then at the end of the tour, you owe more than they gave you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I, I I was always in the bigger, the big bands, and I didn't have to do any of that stuff. It was just one simple contract. But with Kill Devil Hill, you know, we got offered a merch deal, and we said, all right, cool, we could use the money to help the tour. And we did that, but we didn't realize that they're going to send the guy on the road, and you got to pay for the hotel and the per diem and him. And uh, that wasn't really, well, you had to read the whole contract, I guess. So at the end of the day, the end of the tour, we didn't sell a lot of merch. But at the end of the tour, we owed more money than they gave us. You know? So I'm like, whoa, this is not good. Wow. And then, and then, you, wonder, so, and then you wonder why people don't start up new bands now. Well, you got to, you know, be aware of everything. Now, right now... I'm handling, I'm kind of managing the band less in line in, in the States. Yeah. We got a man, manager, uh, C strange that does Europe for us. And, uh, but I'm managing the band here. We got an agent, uh, arm, ARM. They, they book us and, uh, I work with them and then I do the budgets, air flights, hotels, crew, everything. And we make money. And then the merch, we don't do a merch deal. We, right now we're doing the merch. I'm taking care of the merch, you know, ordering it. And then we have a merch girl and we organize it. We know how many shirts we sold. So I'm, it's all uh, right there in front, of, in front of me. So I know what's going on and we make money. There's nobody else, especially after Pledge, we could have had uh, another company fulfill all the orders that came in after pledge. We still had a bunch of orders, so we just did it from from my house, and uh, we bought a uh, postage software and printer, mm-hmm. and hired somebody to sit there and do it. And you know, we had my room. One of my rooms was full of t-shirts, <laughs> wall-to-wall t-shirts. <laughs> nice. And uh, but we fulfilled all the orders because you know, pledge. A lot of people got the money back, then they wanted to order the shirt or they wanted to order the album cover or whatever. So we just had everything shipped back to my place and we did it from here. And we can kind of account for the money, you know, yeah. if you have to pledge, it was like reluctant to go, well, let's give it to this fulfillment company and they could ship out the stuff and we don't have to deal with it right now, but hmm. they take a percentage and then, yeah, we were really weary about a third party handling our money. That's the pledge, you know. Yeah. Until the band gets bigger, and then when you get to a certain level, you have to have, you have yeah. to have people doing that stuff, like companies that do merch and everything. So yeah, you just gotta keep an eye on it. Yeah. So, so Finny, how steep a learning curve is it to manage a band? 
Oh, well, you know what? You can only learn by doing it. And uh, at first, it might seem a little daunting that, you know, oh, my God, what, how do I do this? How do I do you, you know, it's just you learn as you go along. You know, we do some VIP things, meet and greets. And the first time I thought, ah, I don't know if we should do that. It's a pain in the ass and stuff. But it's a really good thing for a band. That's the way a band can make extra money, you know on the road and pay expenses and stuff. So you learn, you know, you do it. And if it works, it works. And even with the merchandise, you know, you design stuff, you put it out, some stuff works, some of it doesn't, you know, okay, we won't do that again. So it's all a matter of doing it and gaining experience, basically like anything else in the world, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we use so much after doing it yeah. now, Vinny, we're, do you look back now on some of the bands you're in? And you, you look, you you got, you think to yourself, why the hell did they do that? <laughs> uh, well, the bands I was in, you know, it was a long time ago. Like I played with Rick Derringer, and that was his thing. I just, you know, we were on salary and stuff, so yeah, so I didn't really have to worry about. It. Then my band Axis, it was a small band, and wasn't a lot of money involved, you know. So like my career has been Sabbath and Dio, most of it. So I didn't have to worry about this stuff. But then after that, that's when I started learning all this stuff, how to do flyouts, how to make money, doing it, you know, and uh, pay all the expenses and stuff. So Yeah. So let's talk for a minute about the, the shows you're going to be doing, I believe, in October with UFO. Um, did you know Did you know Paul Raymond at all? Not really. You know, I didn't know him. Um, I know Phil Moog and Pete Way. Matter of fact, in God, when was that? Nineties in the nineties, Pete Way and Phil Moe came to my house, and we were starting a band together with uh, myself and Tracy G, who played in Dio. Yeah, and we we called the band. It's pretty funny, UFDO. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great name for that. It was freaking perfect. And they stayed at my house for maybe a week, and we got a studio. We were. So we recorded. I actually got a 24 track of a song. I got to listen to this. I got to get a 24 track in somewhere. I go listen to it, put it on a MP3 or something. But we actually uh, recorded a couple of songs and uh, we were going to do it. And then uh, the deal kind of fell through and we all moved on from there. So I know those guys pretty well and they're great guys. We had a lot of fun doing it. Hmm. Are, so are we you know, talking shame. Are we Paul are, Raymond? You know? Yeah. Are we uh, are we talking after Angry Machines or between Strange yeah. Highways? Oh, after Angry Machines. Yes, after Angry Machines. Yeah. When when I left the, uh, yeah, this was later on. It was in, in the nineties, so I wasn't playing with Ronnie at that point. Okay. Okay. I think that's when it was. Jeez, I don't even remember. <laughs> uh, you know, because we went in and out, in and out. I was playing with Ronnie. And, in the 80s, then I left in 87, 88, and then, yeah, it was the early 90s because I was in my house, a different house, yeah. Yeah. Do you still, do you still keep in touch with Tracy G? Uh, no, I don't hear from Tracy at all. Okay. One person that I never hear from. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Years. Okay. What about the other ex-Dio guys, the Claude or... Um, yeah. Well, of course, Jeff, you, you, you still came in touch with, of course. Yeah, Jeff's always in touch. And uh, Claude, uh, you know, I moved out of L.A. I'm more towards San Diego. So, you know, I hear from Claude and uh, we keep in touch, not not as often as we used to. And um, but he's a good buddy. And then uh, Craig Goldie, you know, I'm, I'm in touch with him. We do a couple of projects together here and there. So, uh, yeah, I do keep in touch with these guys. They keep in touch. Mm. Now, now, Vinny, you're in your 60s now. and I am? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you have the likes of Neil Peart who's retiring. I, I don't know what, if you know Phil Verone at all. He played with Jakey Lee and Red Dragon Cartel. He just announced his retirement from drumming as well. Is that something right. now that... You know, you think about it a bit more now to, as you get older because of like what you're doing. Like you're, it's the most physical thing any of you guys do on stage is drumming. Yeah, but the thing, uh, my 
the way I look at it is, first of all, a lot of guys that play and they did it when they're younger and blah, blah, blah. And then they stop at a certain point for years and then they get back into it. It's hard to do that, you know, mm-hmm. because you stop. I never stopped. I've been going since 1976 and nor has my brother. My brother's, uh, you know, he's in his seventies and he still kicks ass. Yeah. So I got, I got a good role model that gauges where you could be at, at that age. And Palmine so kicks ass. We do shows together. So, um, I never stopped. I'm in great shape. I don't, you know, my health is really good. I don't do drugs. Never did drugs and really burnt myself out as, uh, some guys do. So, you know, and I love playing. I still love playing, especially with this band and making music, mm-hmm. writing music, you know, it's still, still love it. Yeah. Absolutely love it. Love, still like going on the road, you know? And, uh, so I still enjoy the whole thing. Mm. So until, until I don't enjoy it, that's probably when I'll do something else, you know? Yeah. Now, I, I've had Carmine on. I've had a lot of drummers on. And I always ask him about what, what's the worst drum-related injury they've had. And I've got a lot of different answers. Uh, so what's your one? Um, that would be the shoulder, the shoulder problem. And um, Carmine's had the same injury as I have. And um, it's uh, I got it from playing the, the big giant drum set, which is, you know, a lot of it was up up in the air above my shoulders and I was hitting these drums all every which way there was. And that caused, uh, my right shoulder to like give out, you know, so I had to get surgery and, um, got it done and did all the therapy and all that stuff. And now it's good as new. It's just fantastic. You know, they did a great job. And then my brother had two of those done on both of his shoulders. Mm. That's that's probably the worst and most common one. Mm. Other than that, everything else is cool. Yeah. And then after that, I lowered everything. Okay. You know, everything's lowered. There's no uh, uh, no drums that are all the way up in the air. No <laughs> cymbals that are up in the air. So uh, that helps now. So when you're young, it doesn't matter. But you're still going to mess your shoulder up at a certain point, you know? Yeah. Do you find, as you get older, Vinny, that you're reducing the size of your kit. Like in the eighties, everything was over the top that everyone had huge drum kits. And now, now as you get older, you, you know what you want to play and you, you accommodate your kit to, to for that. Um, well, also the venues have changed, you know, the venues have changed and, um, it's like, you can't go play a small, you know, a club with that giant drum set I had in heaven and hell, you know? Yeah. It would look cool, but <laughs> it doesn't warrant that, you know. And now I, I enjoy playing a small kit, you know. Sometimes in Europe, I just play one rack tom and two floor toms. It's a little kit, but I beat the shit out of it. And uh, some people love seeing that. That it's a little kit sounded massive, you know. Mm. Yeah. So anyway, that's uh, it. Just doesn't warrant bringing those big kits. If I was playing. You know, we were playing arenas or something. Yeah, I'd get a big, little bit bigger kit. Mm. So. Yeah. So, Vinny, I just got a couple of questions before I leave you go. Um, do you have a favorite country you like to visit when you go on tour? Um, you know, they each have their own personality and their own culture. And and they're all different. You know, you know a lot of them are different from each other. And I, I love going to Japan. I love going to South America. There's a great audience down there. All over Europe. Uh, I'll be going to Europe in in June. Doing uh, last year, I did the Mob Rules live, uh, and uh, just with a really good band, and we played mostly Sabbath and uh, mostly stuff from that album, and some Dio stuff thrown in. This year, we're going to do it again, and uh, I'm going there. I love playing in Europe. Uh, you know, it's just everywhere is different, so. I don't really have a favorite place. Okay, uh, some some guys I've talked to they, they they have favorite places to play and that they circle it on the calendar. Yeah, I can't wait to get back there. And then other guys are like yeah. other guys are like you. They just like traveling. Well, you know why? I played so many places. Yeah, 
it's hard to pick one out. Like if you only been to maybe ten places, it'd be easy to go. Yeah, I like to play in Hawaii because then when you finish, it's lovely to. But I played so many different places, and <clears throat> it's just uh, hard to pick one. You know. Mm-hmm. Now, you you played a lot with Geezer Butler over the years. Uh, he he's one of the guys that is starting a new band now with Steve Stevens and Matt Sorum. Knowing, mm-hmm. knowing Geezer, does that surprise you that at this stage of his life he's starting a new band? Shit, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that's very surprising. I saw that, I went, Geezer's doing this? Wow. How cool. You know, I thought it was cool. Yeah. But, um, you know, he hasn't really, you know, he's always stuck with when he was doing Sabbath, so. He didn't really do any side things except back in uh, the 90s. He had a band with his nephew, uh, Pedro. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that was pretty good. And then since then, he hasn't really, I don't, as far as I know, done another band. So it was good to hear he was doing something. He's got some heavyweights in the band. So uh, I haven't heard it yet. I'm looking forward to hearing it. Yeah, so he, did, great. He, obviously, he didn't contact you to see if you were available. Uh, no, I don't think he put the band together. It was probably Matt that started to put the band together. I could be wrong on that, but, uh, I don't know. I don't know, but no, he didn't contact me. Okay. And just final question before I leave you go, Vinny. Um, Carmine has done a book. Uh, would you like to do one? Oh yeah, for sure. Everybody says I should do a book because I play with different bands, you know, and, uh, uh, even John Lennon worked with John Lennon when I was really, really young and all, all this stuff. So yeah, I'm going to put a book together eventually too. Why not? Everybody else is. Yeah. You funny stories. Yeah. Did you read Carmine's? Oh yeah. It was filthy. It was. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> had a, I had him on to promote it and I was like, uh, there's a lot of stuff in this book. I wouldn't let my kid read. <laughs> we didn't let my sister read it either. <laughs> or her daughters. We said, you better not read this because this is pretty bad. Yeah. So yours is going to be completely different. Yeah, yeah. Mine will be more on the funny side and on great, you know, cool stories that I remember and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right, yeah, Vinny. Nah. Do, do you want to give out all the social media sites where people can't get in touch with you and the band? Uh, well, our website is um, uh, com, and you can find us on uh, Facebook, Last in Line, and um, we're, yeah, we're all over the place there. That, that's all the updates are up there and all the news and all that stuff. Yeah. And well, my, my website's myname.com. Okay. Com. Well, Vinny, I'm going to try and make the shows you do in Massachusetts, I believe, on the oh, 11th, 11th or 12th. I'm going to try. So... Okay. Hopefully I'll get to say hello to you. All right. Sounds good, Richie. Nice talking to you. Yeah, Thanks nice. for the interview. Yeah, no problem, Vinny. Have a good rest of the day. Have a good weekend with the band, okay? I'll see you soon. Thank you. All Will right. Do. Take, Take care. care. Bye. Cheers. Bye.
Couldn't resist playing another album that Divinity did some great drumming on. That one is off of Joel Holkstra's 13 release, Dying to Live on the Track anymore just figured why not just couldn't resist throwing in a little bit of uh, a little bit of joel and a little bit of vinnie and i i do have to mention that uh you know when uh richie was asking about the whole pledge music thing that uh vinnie is actually dead nuts on about it that i did actually get my uh little orange envelope from orange glow productions uh fairly soon after they made the announcement and uh, yep signed cd booklet in there and I wasn't really even sure where the hell that had come from, but now I actually know. Found something out from my own damn show. But uh, anyways, big thanks to uh, Vinny Apice for coming back on the show again. And if you haven't done it already, go out and get yourself a copy of Last in Line 2 and uh, and catch them live as well. Great live show. And also big thanks to Eric from Void Vader for giving us our track of the week this week. Go out and get their EP, Stranded. So thanks once again for taking a little bit of time to listen to us here this week on Focus on Metal. Not sure what we're bringing you next week. As usual, got a whole bunch of things all mixed. Just got to figure it all out. But uh, for this week, that's it. There ain't no more. Stick a fork in it. This puppy is done. So for Richie, myself, and everybody else here at Focus on Metal, as always, have yourselves a great metal week. And until we talk to you again next week, Remember, focus on metal. Everything else is insignificant. Still here? It's over. Go home.